Welcome, one and all, to your WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. It's not that kind of show. The WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode eight, previously on, is brought to you by the Sword Chop Shop. Thanos plucks them, and we shuck them. Pete, no Marvel news this week. Oh, wait. Huge Marvel news this week, actually. First of all, Kevin Feige at the uh, Television Critics Association Balfest uh, talked series lengths and talked the idea that the goal is for each of these seasons to have about six hours. Now, hold on. We don't need to do six times 60 and say everything must equal exactly 360 minutes. I would say let's call it 300 minutes, give or take, which would give us... 50-minute Falcon and the Winter Soldier episodes, and about 33-minute WandaVision episodes. Again, just as a real rough estimate. Um, how long will the finale be? I know that Noel Gardner on Twitter said, one hour, eight minutes. So hope we all, Pete. Yes, that would be above my projected average, but I will take being wrong if Noel is correct. Matt, I have spoken exclusively to Kevin Feige's <laughs> Gardner's former uber driver who gave me the length that i am not allowed to disclose but it will be he told me exclusively it will be some amount of time it will not be non-existent pete while we're on the topic of this um i i know there's a little chatter on twitter um is there can you definitively say right now is there a secret 10th episode of wandavision coming Real talk, there is no 10th episode, at least for uh, the total run. The discussion, too, at the TCA this week was, could there be a second season of WandaVision? They're leaving that door open. You're, you're not going to potentially close it. The rubber's really going to hit the road when we get to the Emmy period and, you know, where what categories they're going to fall into in terms of that. And HBO in the past has sinned greatly. This is a special limited show. And then boom, second season, Meryl Streep, et cetera, et cetera. So paying the price there and, and really earning the uh, ire of the television Academy, but uh, there will be no 10th episode for this season. Uh, of course, uh, the week after the finale next week, okay? That, of course, uh, March 12th, the week in between WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which, by the way, we are already podcasting, so get yourself over to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast by Fantastic Geek. Go ahead, subscribe to that one, which will start uh, on March 19th. There will be, of course, the Marvel Assembled, and then the other thing we haven't uh, referenced in a little bit, Matt, we're going to get that clip show um, with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So just like we got those two little Cliff Notes style episodes for Wanda and Vision, that'll be in there someplace as well. Also in Marvel News, uh, Spider-Man 3, Spider-Home 3, officially now titled Spider-Man No Way Home. After a delightfully low-tech but effective bit of social media marketing from uh, Tom Holland, Zendaya, and Jacob Badaland. So, 
I, I think, Pete, you were a little down on the tomfoolery, but my question to you uh, the day that the title was announced was, were you talking about the Spider-Man movie two days ago? No. They, oh, okay, they did that. I did appreciate the video. You've seen the video of them coming out of uh, Watts' office, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And the drawing board, the whiteboard with all the titles, there's some really uh, over-the-top shapes there, Matt. Did you notice those? Uh, I did not notice any shapes. The hexes? Oh, the hexes! I, yeah, uh, Pete. I think sometimes, sometimes, a, sometimes a hex is a hex, and sometimes a hex is a hex. In the spirit of, well, sometimes Agatha just a did cigar. bite a kid once. <laughs> Was she in the form of a spider? Uh, another theory making its way around. Um, also, in Spider-Man news, uh, Tom Holland's contract is up after this movie. Pete, I'm sure that his agents cannot be happy that he has said that. He will be happy to return if the powers of B want him back. And his agents, who of course want to maximize money and are soulless vampires, um, maybe a figurative vampires, maybe they work for Blade, I don't know. But his agents cannot be happy um, that Holland said that he will return. He implied that he will only return with director John Watts, Zendaya, and Jacob Badalon, who are all part of the the Spider-Man family to him. You know who's made happy by that, Pete? Tom Holland himself for being a stand-up guy. I say new contract right now. Um, I just want to be clear that Peter J. Kadalar, as a yet unproduced screenwriter who has just finished his first draft of his horror feature, uh, does not support the view that agents... Uh, and managers are quote-unquote soulless vampires. I want that clear and on the record. Also, feel free to contact me. Uh, but, Matt, I mean, we're talking about the role of Spider-Man. Can we think of, I mean, there's James Bond, there's Spider-Man. Can we think of another more iconic particular role um, right now? Of course, he will continue to play it. They will work something out again if the story demands that they work something out. Does what we saw in WandaVision today lead to chaos magic? Oh, look, it's Miles Morales, Spider-Man, now played by, insert name of actor, and, and a trilogy of those films going forward, or side by side, or whatnot. I mean... The door was ajar prior to this episode, and now it is completely kicked open. Last bit of Marvel news, the official uh, redating of Loki. Uh, it was never given a day in May, but now it's officially June 11th. Um, the, our kind of tea leaf take is that might be because Marvel wants to hold on to the Black Widow release date of May 7th and might be prepping for more of a sometime in the month of May, go see it, as opposed to a major opening weekend if theaters are kind of there but not 100%, so maybe it's kind of Black Widow month, and the only thing you think about for the month of May, for Marvel May, is Black Widow. That was my take on Loki on the move, but bottom line, Pete, Loki having moved to uh, June 11th, and we don't have a podcast feed up for it yet, but we will in the next week or two. Two things there. One, the very same day it was announced that the Star Wars uh, digital uh, cartoon 
uh, Clone Wars Bad Batch will uh, start streaming on Disney Plus on May 4th. You know, may the 4th be with you. Okay. So I feel like we should have seen that one coming. In retrospect, I was like that sh- that flag should have been planted uh, at the at the Disney Investor Day, right? Which is not a Friday, which they tend to roll with. So there's that to consider as well. And then are they going to throw another one on Friday, uh, May seventh? And and then you know I have not. I mean, listen, I'm going to watch that. I'm not super super high on that like mandalorian or even like the clone wars itself although the seven seasons in the clone wars was kind of an up and down finished strong uh experience but have they created a bubble we've not yet had the overlap on disney plus of big things going on at once it's been mandalorian mandalorian and now it's wandavision and obviously they they put a little bit of space in between them we're gonna have one week of space and even then we're gonna get that behind the scenes wandavision marvel assembled and then we're gonna have uh our falcon and the winter soldier falcon and the winter soldier is gonna end we thought uh and we had even pinned it down to a date i think we had what may 21st right is is that the the friday you had you had uh done your math with absolutely it's it's rejiggered all of Fantastic Geeks' schedule, so there's that. We thought that might be uh, the date. Okay, so they, they kicked it uh, three weeks later. But not knowing what the Bad Batch schedule is, have they created a, a space for that there? And again, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Star Wars guy, but, you know, an animated show is less than the live action. Can we Can we be upfront about that? So then the other thing that it brings up is have they created a landing pad, some space on Disney plus for black widow. The idea that this movie should be a year old in uh, May of 2021. Okay. And still hasn't been uh, released. And then the idea that it could be further backed up i I think we've officially reached it will not go past being released in may of 21 uh do they do the mulan and then what's the pixar one that in march is is going day and date but behind that pixar it's disney animation but it's uh, raya and the last dragon right so that's the second that's going to follow the the mulan pattern of you pay what is it disney premiere um they, 30 bucks yeah they've kind of come up with a um with a branding even for it <clears throat> do they do that for black widow that remains to be seen i'm kind of hopeful they do um you know the the vaccinations and everything and they keep talking about well april may big push all that yet we know there's been some supply chain and some pl- supply issues um, yeah, I, I gotta wonder if the Loki thing isn't a casualty of that. That's fine. At least we have a specific date now in June and, you know, selfishly fantastic. He can, you know, get a little bit more of its schedule ironed out. Here's the story of a lovely lady. Pete, what's the story? Red to purple. Marvel Studios logo dissolves into smoke as a hooded character bears a torch in Salem, Massachusetts. 
1693, leading three other figures. Agatha is brought against her will by two hooded women in the woods near a small dam to a stake. That's de-aged Agatha Harkness, Matt, which looks suspiciously like uh, my wife when I first met her in 1993, uh, which I was wondering, like, why does this seem so... Oh, my God. (laughs) Why this seems so familiar to me. Okay. Uh, Bound with blue magic uh, to the stake, she's asked by a woman with white hair if she's a witch. And as the camera pulls back to reveal seven women and the speaker, uh, Agatha admits to being a witch, but is accused of betraying her coven by stealing knowledge above her age and station, practicing the darkest of magic. She protests to know nothing. I did not break your rules. They simply bent to my power and then even through the de-aging which is phenomenal here the slightest smirk across Catherine Hahn's face here with that line before our now revealed witches maybe the Salem Seven Matt begin chanting in Latin indeed it kind of feels like Agatha is egging on the other witches uh, to, to give that sweet sweet blue magic shot um and indeed as the scene unfolds we can see that uh, the trick is to take the magic uh force from the other witches uh, pete this could have been our big pat and oswald crossover moment of all the many things but i guess i guess not this time uh won't mother help the reveal there that the the white-haired witch is mother uh she does a sort of magic crown appearing on her head i'm sure we will dig into that at various points. Uh, what about the red around Agatha when she's hit? I mean, yeah, all sorts of all sorts of uh, basic questions here. We got we we have in this episode uh, the red wiggly woos. We have the blue wiggly woos. We have the white wiggly woos. We have the yellow, uh, maybe not quite magic wiggly woos. We have some yellow energy in this episode. So if nothing else, using all those crayons in the crayon box there. Um, so again, there's also that magic crown on mother's head, somewhat evocative of the Scarlet Witch, um, headpiece. Mom gets drained of all her powers right after Agatha says that she can be good. Mom's saying, no, you can't. And then with all of the corpse-like drained bodies there having fallen to the ground, uh, Agatha takes mom's brooch. Um, have to wonder, Pete, as this scene concludes... Might there have been an edit where this was pre-Marvel Studios logo, then you get the logo, then after it, you have present-day Agatha with the brooch, maybe not full-on, you know, close-up there. Maybe that's why they had the scenes attached, but I would have liked the version where you get this pre-Marvel Studios logo. Just want to throw that out there. No title card for this episode. No credit sequence uh what what show were we watching matt i'm not sure other than on my disney plus having clicked wandavision but that's what we can do now and that the show is called previously on you know i I mean this in the best way it's not a clip show and that we've seen these things before but you know the 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 real feast 
could still be ahead next week. Uh, I'll add to that. I saw, I think on Instagram, I saw somebody had done a supercut of the previously ons for WandaVision and how it starts out previously on WandaVision. And then you get right. to episode three and four, previously on WandaVision. It's kind of like her, her energy is going down, which is <laughs> next level or, or enth- her enthusiasm is decreasing. If not her literal, I don't want to suggest necessarily her, her energy energy, but that's next level kind of planning there. Um, but regardless, Agatha here telling Senior Scratchy that Wanda must be surprised. Uh, oh, and Wanda can't brain scan Agatha either. Not here. Uh, indeed, she can't even wiggly woo. And there's reference made to how that accent really comes and goes. I mm-hmm. almost had to wonder if that was a um, an improvised line because um, it, it just has some extra sting to it. But it's absolutely fantastic. Ultimately, Agatha gives a sort of tour for magic fundamentals for dummies. How do you not know this stuff, Wanda? You know, with the the runes and whatnot. Agatha has been waiting for Wanda to reveal herself. Agatha got close with Fietro, uh, her <laughs> who acted as her eyes and ears. So all the multiverse. It's Evan Peters from X Men film. You know, uh, not apparently it was uh, it was a false projection of sorts indeed as she's checking off theories here the idea of some sort of necromancy bringing back the body of the dead you know couldn't do that because the real one or at least real to the mcu was bullet ridden and so forth on another continent <laughs> uh, indeed and uh, wanda believed all of this so it, it's amazing in retrospect pete how much how much Catherine Hahn does in this episode for pure story explaining exposition and none of it comes off as story explaining exposition. It's finally after seven episodes, the eighth episode tells me what the heck is going on here. Yeah. And, and I still think leaves plenty of room for mystery. Uh, the thrust of this episode is how'd you do it? What's the secret? And boy, do we begin to crack into some things there? So Agatha sensed this place, Westview, the afterglow of so many spells cast all at once, but she couldn't make heads or tails of it. So the mystery for the witch here with how many hundreds of years of training, expertise, and experience, something she did not have in 1693, she had the power now she has the knowledge. Wanda has the power, not yet the knowledge. And, you know, off mic, Matt and I, if you've been a longtime Fantastic Geek listener, you know that typically in our Marvel, Marvel podcast, we do a villain sequence segment and, and do a deep dive there. And it's been a constant discussion with WandaVision, do we really have villains? I, and I think Matt would agree here, I don't know that Agatha is a villain here. And particularly if you know the comics and the relationship between the two characters, I think that further supports. Yeah, each week we axe the villain segment and the the sound effect, uh, which I'm quite proud of. Uh, I'm quite proud of the sound effect. So maybe next week, Pete, maybe next week. But um take us to agnes and the the cicada which you had definitely eyeballed properly last week as a cicada and not a fly so kudos to your uh insectology whatever the proper ology is kudos (laughs) to your insectology skills 
Well, I think part of it too that it's more visible than a fly uh, in size. But uh, talking about the different types of spells there that Agatha has the knowledge and the practice of, whether it's transmutation, turning things uh, into different things, like she's done with the town, or whether it's mind control done on the feeble-minded, the, the Jedi mind trick, if you will, and then turning uh, the, the cicada, the maybe really big fly, what everybody thought, oh, it's, it's Mephisto, it's the Grim Reaper, it's this, it's that, turning it into a bird, turning it back into the insect, feeding it to Senor Scratchy, maybe Nicholas Scratch, not sure, uh, but all that, and with the delightful cackles of uh, Catherine Hahn. All of this happens while Agatha monologues about the real trick uh, of casting a spell over thousands of people with intersecting storylines and boundaries, magic boundaries that are miles away from the center of town. Agatha wants the truth of how uh, Wanda has done it, she plucks a hair from Wanda and starts our flashback journey. They go back to Sokovia with Mama and Papa and Pietro, all prepping for TZ, uh, TV Classics Night. Um, the scene is so adorable on its own. And of course, anybody who remembers Age of Ultron knows, you know, this is Countdown to Doom and whatnot. So there's well, wait this... a minute, Matt. Wait a minute. Because we've been told by real Pietro maximoff the family was having dinner and then the bomb came was this family having dinner well i think that there are things in wanda's telling here that we are definitely going to dive into in theories essentially questioning how reliable is her version of events and it was interesting to see um, certainly Pete, neither you nor I are subscribing to like, you know, a kind of crazy, you know, these crazy women and their, uh, and whatnot. We're, we're certainly not going down that road. It was interesting to see on social media, there was a bit of a gender breakdown for, um, for Wanda and her perspective of things in this episode, particularly relative, you know, we'll get to it in a little bit, but relative to Hayward and his complicity or not, um, and I think that, you know, we'll let episode nine speak for itself ultimately. And I think that, you know, Hayward as a bad guy is probably a, a, a or Hayward doing bad things at the very least is probably a good bet. But it is interesting to keep in mind for all of this, that this is Wanda narrating, not narrating to us. She's narrating now to Agnes, but there's not necessarily the, um, there's not the full fidelity there. Could could uh, what you're uh, pointing out, could that just simply be a continuity error or could it be an error explained away by real Pietro misremembered? Um, sure, those are options if they say, hey, a better scene, now that we're doing the whole TV classics thing, we're going to retcon this into it. But it also could be under the umbrella of everything Wanda remembers might not be the way it is. And, and I think that's a possibility there are some other possibilities we'll dig into deep with theories here but tv night matt suitcase opens dvds maybe authentic maybe bootleg i love lucy bewitched you can see the adams family in there 
most tantalizingly, Matt, who's the boss, which we haven't seen anything of. Okay. At first, you can make out a lowercase a-n-n-i-e, which I'm like, all right, are they doing movies too? Annie, later in the case, you can see it's I Dream of Jeannie. Um, and there's Malcolm in the Middle, which there's a serious conundrum with. Uh, is that because, depending on how old she is, the show was not on DVD yet? So, no, let's let's talk what we definitively know about uh, this event and the children's ages. So we have been told on WandaVision, uh, Jimmy Wu giving us the dossier on uh, the Maximovs. They were born in 1989. We don't have a date in 1989. They were born in 1989. When they were 10, their family's home was hit by a bomb. Their parents were killed. Okay. So this event could occur in 1999, right? 10. Could they have also been 10 in the year 2000? Yes. They could have, okay, is the way time works, as I understand it, and, and Matt <laughs> is backing me up. I'm not a math person, so, you know, this is why I'm doing this with another person and not on my own, okay? Malcolm in the Middle did not premiere on television, did not air for the first time until January of the year 2000. Do you know when the DVD for season one was made available for sale, Matt? I don't. I bet you're going to say that it's several years later. So t tell me the date that I'm already, I'm already, I already have a solution to your problem, but what's, what's the I, problem? I, I, and date? I know you do because it's, it's the way it may work and it, it, it makes sense. October 28th, 2002 was when, uh, that was made available. Um, now what's, what's your possible explanation? Well, I have two. One is the MCU, being its own universe, does not need to adhere to that DVD release date. Also, Doesn't. it could just be a very good, um, it could be a very good bootleg. That, and I think that one tracks better than anything else. Okay, they, I mean, there's reference to selling them the idea that uh, maybe these were copied, and that's okay. And I think that tracks with the Eastern European vibe of it and and that would work so initially i'm like oh could this be a ma uh it's not as massive a continuity thing but i i think it it, it got our attention and here we are talking about it matt there's an awful lot of red in the home did you pick it up um i picked up some of it certainly um the couch there's a coat of course, uh, Wanda's red sweatshirt. Even the TV itself is red. And I think that's one of those questions, you know, is that a design aesthetic? Is that something that just looked cool in a sketch and they went for it? Is it meant to be, you know, is it meant to be a source of the deepest of dives? Like, you know, for example, is it proof that the magic is all around them? I, I, I think it's probably more just a stylistic choice. Um, I will say this, Pete, as from all those TV choices, as uh, Wanda's favorite 
Choice, The Dick Van Dyke Show, Season 2, Episode 21, The Walnut Episode, which, by the way, uh, at least in the United States, available uh, for free with ads via Prime uh, Video or Prime Television or whatever they're calling it now. Um, Not really Episode 21. Uh, how so? It's Episode 20. It may look like a walnut. So another, I mean, I hate to ding them here on this. But, and as talking with uh, Mary Kirk, uh, you know, the authoritative source of uh, Marvel, Matt, they don't normally make, they're not known to make these things. And I think these, these, I'm not going to say it's an error. I think this might be tipping a hand as to is this remembrance or uh, did it even fully occur this way? The little girl's hair is dark uh, in the next. It's a flash forward, which is a flash back for everybody. Uh, also, we have the darker hair on Wanda, but the little girl's eyes are blue. Um, Elizabeth Olsen's eyes are green. Uh, so could that be a thing going on? And then, Matt, in, in maybe the best of callbacks, Mom covers the eyes of young Wanda. You know, the traditional S- Sokovian greeting. <laughs> Pete, all I know is this. Uh, this portion of the podcast is either going to age very, very well in the next week or age very, very poorly. You know, either we've uncovered, and I think there is legitimate, there's legitimate discussion to be had, Um in terms of Wanda's reliability as a narrator, but you know, either we've cracked the code here with the season, you know, with all of these being little mistakes that are there on purpose, or somebody got a little lazy in the writing room or whatever it might be. I just want to mention as a quick tangent, since the name Dick Van Dyke has showed up, first of all, there's there's a reverence shown to how the family uh, yeah. receives this episode. It's clearly As there um, should be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's an idealism that's ringing true. Add to it, you know, Dick Van Dyke and his connection with Disney. I just had to mention a, a slight personal, not, not even connection, just a personal anecdote. Um, I have a cousin who had convinced his younger sister, you know, decades ago when they were in their teens, if not earlier, he had convinced his sister that uh, Dick Van Dyke had created uh, DVDs and the DVD player and had thusly named it for himself, you know, DVD, Dick Van Dyke. Um, and I just pretty good actually. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, particularly if you imagine when DVDs were new, late '90s, early 2000s. Um, I think let's see, my the the younger sister cousin would is probably would have been um, late teens at that point. So I mean, you know, just just old enough, and also you know, kind of quasi pre-internet enough. But um, bottom line, that that little familial reflection over. I mean, the family here. Um, enjoying the episode and i have to say i watched this episode five o'clock in the morning on my phone and then watched it again later in the evening with my wife and daughter uh it's a whole lot more scary on a big tv that explosion that physically and i mean physically in quotes i'm sure it's an effect but physically rocks the kids out of frame to to uh starkly pun partially intended to starkly conclude that portion of the scene couple other things and then i'll get to the explosion which i think further calls some things into question. So where is the Dick Van Dyke set kept? Not in the 
the case with everything else. It's in the special place for extra safekeeping mat, a.k.a. this square hole in the wall that we have. As one does. The gunfire in the streets and the fire in the streets and mom's look outside and then kind of brushing that off. I get it, but at the safe same time there's you know there there's peril for this family and I think that further jeopardizes the on its face reliability of this narrative looking backward. Okay? And a major thread with the family and TV night is practicing of English of language. So as they're settling in here, the idea of shenanigans, uh, mischief, AKA chaos. And then the silly mischief that always becomes fine. Do we have a God of mischief in the MCU, Matt? We do. I I had not gone down that mental road. I will also disagree at Mom's dismissal of the gunfire. Um, I'm actually I'm reminded of uh, there's uh, Zlata's diary, this nonfiction diary written by Zlata Filipovich, uh, who was 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there during the uh, the um, Yugoslavian civil war. Uh, she lived, I believe, in Bosnia, and. Yes, there's gunfire and mortar explosions and, oh my goodness, my, my classmate is dead entries. There's also entries that are, it's my birthday and we had a cake. And I think that there's this, you know, I think that there's the, I got from that diary the desire on her parents' part to impart as much normalcy, particularly on the days or on the times where things were not go hide in the basement Um you know, when there's an air raid siren. So I kind of buy mom saying, yup, trouble out there. Time to close the curtain and, and survive another night with something approaching normalcy. Pete, if you can imagine living in a world where everything is crazy and sometimes you just, uh, you know, close your blinds and watch a TV show to escape from the madness of it all. I mean, listen, I, it's completely believable given the scenario, but I just think there's a lot of things in all of these flashbacks that might not be the case are we looking at alternate versions are we looking at multiverse versions of events matt these actors playing mom and dad are not the people we've seen in the commercials but when the explosion comes the first well it's the only explosion because the bomb that then comes later does not go off which also cuts against what we've been told before um the real question is how did the kids survive mom and dad of course under the rubble um the the stark missile bomb and then it starts beeping the tv's still playing which again seems off the subject of the episode is definitely worth examining. So that episode, it may look like a walnut. Uh, Dick Van Dyke, um, he has a nightmare uh, about aliens, uh, taking away thumbs, things like this. Okay. Um, and gee, how's Wanda's power get enhanced? 
you know, beyond the latent power that seems to be there that she performs a, a probability hex to keep the bomb from exploding. So says uh, Agatha um, as, you know, she's pulled directly out of her role in the flashback and back into the conversation. Um, oh, it was defective. We were trapped for two days. So there's a lot that is not definitive in that. And that changes from what we've previously been told. So, I mean, details is all we can go on. What we've been told before, what we have now, is that really how it happened? My response to why the TV continues to play after the explosion is this. Narratively, the episode needs... Um, to hammer home that this TV watching was not just something done in youth. Um, it was something that um, continued throughout her life. And, of course, we're going to see that in um, the the experiment scene in a moment. We're going to see that in Avengers Compound after that. But I think that here it's kind of meant to be the the genesis of, you know, uh, of her escapism, not just as a source of, uh, of something one does in childhood. With the TV on, that's when we have the dialogue of her saying, you know, at the end of the episode, you close your eyes, you wake up, it'll all have been a dream, that sort of thing. So I think it's just really doing the heavy lifting there to say, this is why she's going to continue to be drawn to these things. And, oh, by the way, it will have been the secret thing going on in her head that you never learned about until uh this episode for sure despite the fact that she's been in movies since 2013's or 2014's age of ultron that sort of thing so i think it's just a bit of narrative heavy lifting to really hammer home why it's so uh, important to her um and indeed we have agatha again kind of hammering home exposition here that this baby witch had some natural talent but how did that talent grow Next stop is those Hydra experiments uh, where we see uh, see Wanda in the same room as Loki's scepter. There's a, a dialogue reminder here, the experiment that has killed everyone else. Uh, dialogue these, between who, Matt? Um, scientist and doctor. Not Baron von Strucker. He wouldn't have overseen this. So I think that's another red herring scarlet herring maybe here i mean that they've got a bald guy with glasses but it's not the bald guy with the one glass the monocle uh brings it into question i will say if there is a real world answer and i'm looking it up now i believe um the actor uh who is um thomas kretschman i believe he's German. So it may have been as simple as when they were looking to film this back in California, um, if indeed they filmed this portion in California, because again, my, my mind continues to go back and forth whenever I watch these episodes. Anything that's outside, um, you know, Westview and, or, pardon me, anything that's outside in Westview that's filmed after the COVID shutdown, that's filmed in fall 2020, uh, anything that was filmed inside, including the color and black and white mix stuff um in the in the um the dick van dyke era set that was probably filmed in atlanta months and months and months before that so it's this real big out of continuity stuff but pete my point being maybe thomas kretschmann getting him from germany if he's germany based 
um, getting him from Germany to Los Angeles to film a scene might not have been worth the trouble um, with COVID. So there's my there's my partial real world response uh, possible possible response there. So Matt, in comes a volunteer Wanda stating this for the record for the scientist and the doctor on the other side of the the mirrored glass. Uh, so we know that she was first because we're told everybody else has died. So Pietro couldn't have touched it first. Her eyes seem to still be blue in this scene, but again, it's darkly lit. Uh, are they changing her eyes? We know that her hair gets red. That goes with the Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff aesthetic, but did the uh, Mind Stone cause these physical changes? I think is a, is a very real question to ask. Um, the the blue jewel comes out of the scepter. She reaches out, and as she does, it shatters, and the yellow Mind Stone is visible there. There's uh, the explosion, and then we get the... I, I don't want to say vision because of the obvious confusion there, but we get, um, I think, more so a premonition of the comic, iconic Scarlet Witch, complete with the hairband slash crown, floating down, um, you know, seen both from Wanda's perspective, and then we're looking into the reflection of Wanda's eyes. She's knocked out. The men run in, feel her pulse. She's still alive. Get her to isolation so uh peter flynn on twitter p uh flynn hockey had uh, sent us he had done some uh some uh photoshop work there it appears that it is elizabeth olsen in scarlet witch garb it's a hundred percent elizabeth olsen this is not somebody else there were other people saying oh it's her mom it's this it's that it is a hundred percent her and I, I don't know if that strengthens any cases or not. Uh, I mean, I guess one logical way, if you're like, all right, director Pete, how are we going to film this vision? You know, you could say, well, one option is we could do a whole big computer thing. Uh, or we could put Lizzie in a costume and put a spotlight behind her and then in the computer make it all yellow with yellow wiggly woos. Gee, which one is easier? Um but I just mentioned it. I mean, I, so I, I suppose if nothing else, Pete, it is the fact that it is her versus, as you say, her mom or uh, Agatha's mom or Agatha or whatever, whatever it might be. I guess it closes some doors. Um, ultimately, though, Wanda is put in isolation now watching the Brady Bunch. And Pete, we've already had some discussion. We're going to have further discussion about Hayward's video here. The scientists are rewatching video of the incident and what was recorded in real time. Question mark was her standing there, then suddenly collapsing. No fall, just literally a jump cut. Um, I would add to it. It is, it is suggested by the camera as there is, as there's the yellow glow of the infinity stone. It is suggested that the scientists see it. But again, who's suggesting it? Is it Wanda? Um, well, is it is it is it Wanda suggesting that or not? So I think that there is again 
a lack of clarity here. Both yeah. things can't exist at the same time, that the scientists saw the glow and it wasn't recorded, although I guess both things could exist if there's magic, but there, there's intentional question marks, if nothing else. It's this strange place where Wanda's powers would give her the ability to see what these scientists were re-watching as they're both monitoring her in isolation. And she's watching an episode of The Brady Bunch about a child where a brother annoys a sister about a child. Agatha here explains that an Infinity Stone uh, amplified talent that would have simply faded away without practice. But what came next? We go to the Avengers compound with <laughs> what I will call then Wanda versus now Wanda. Uh, then Wanda calls Vision in. He's delightfully blank at first. You know, whatever is your preference. He doesn't understand sitcoms even as he is beckoned to sit with her. He wants to comfort her despite her grief at having lost her, bro uh, her brother. It's at this point, Pete, right after, you know, she says that line, he, Bettany pauses and looks away from her. Only on third rewatch, is he looking at the camera? Um, it's weird, and I only make a mention of it because um, at the end of, I want to say, the second episode, one of those episodes there where they are watching TV and the camera's right by the TV, people have gone back and said, no, 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 Bettany's not looking at the TV, he's looking at the camera, which adds to a creepiness. So I might have dismissed the one or the other, but both. There's it's... a slight comedic eyebrow raise by Bettany as Vision in this scene. And again, they're watching a comedy. And, and Matt, if we could just back up to when they first enter this Avengers compound, and uh, I, I'm going to intentionally uh make fun here matt the easter egg of moving on up from the jeffersons um <laughs> yes the, the lowest hanging fruit is when they make a reference to something and then a buzzy website puts together a list of difficult to find easter eggs and includes things, things you like... didn't realize that hydra is a easter egg to a terrorist organization called Hydra. Yeah, that's why I, I was drawn. I, I, I was driven to a fit of uh, a, a frustration a couple days ago on social media, where I had said, you know, it's not an Easter egg when a buzzy website says Agatha making reference to the Scarlet Witch is a reference to comics character the Scarlet Witch. Avengers Compound is an Easter egg reference to the popular Avengers movies. Like, now, obviously, I'm taking it to the extreme there, but, like, moving on up is not that far from saying, hey, I just secretly discovered that Avengers Compound is a reference to The Avengers, a movie series about costume superheroes. Yeah. So what's on the TV here is Malcolm in the Middle. Um, visible in the clips are uh, Dewey, the, the little brother until the other uh, brother is born. And then, uh, of course, Brian Cranston, character of Hal. Uh, I can't get my hands on which Malcolm in the Middle episode this is. Uh, Matt, we have been taken to task in one of our positive uh, Apple podcast reviews that we're not fast enough with getting the podcast to air. Um, 
but the review says it's good, but we're not fast enough. So continue to do the same good job, but get it out more quickly. Um, <laughs> Yet I don't have enough time in the time that we're podcasting here to go and locate this episode. Here's what this episode of Malcolm in the Middle might be called and what it's about. Um, from the best digging I could do in the time before Matt and I agreed to record this, it may be a seventh season episode called Hal Greaves about the loss of his father. And given the discussion that takes place, obviously, between Wanda and Vision here, uh, that would take on a whole new level of meaning. Wanda here is talking about grief, and Olsen steals the scene sharing her own grief or you know, a- acting aggrieved. Bettany, however, steals the scene back, saying that it all can't be sorrow. All he's known is being alone, uh, having never had a loved one to love. What is grief if not love persevering? Here, Olsen is immaculate, but Bettany is transcendent in bringing the chemistry between them to a boil. I think this is one of those scenes where, obviously the two of them have been working together for quite some time, and in the movies this relationship has been developing kind of in the background i think the discussion before they shot this scene was all right paul you need to sell the romance of this in this scene for all time a hundred years from now somebody is going to do the chronological cut of wanda and vision and put it on hollow youtube and this scene is when they fell in love um this is when he turned her around. This is when he he helped become a, a resource for her to push the darkness away. You need to do all this in the course of these next three lines. We'll do as many takes as you want and action. And he does. And it's just, again, she's fantastic. And I know people have said for her body of work for this episode, she should be Emmy nominated. And I totally agree. He carries the entire relationship turns on this one little keystone at the top of the arch and it's here and he he makes it happen just so so amazingly so the couple lines of dialogue and and it's a great scene that's written here but that she says the only thing that would bring her comfort is seeing him again she's referring of course to pietro and how that becomes the substance of the very next flashback with going to see vision and then the concept that we've heard from monica having been in the hex about how it felt that she was drowning this idea of grief and now wanda talking in the past about the loss of her brother and this grief wave washing over her the feeling of drowning but the best line of the scene goes to Bettany. Uh, but what is grief if not love persevering? And then how that will be the through line for the remaining scenes where he's echoed. So it's reiterated Agatha's takeaway, parents dead, brother dead, vision dead. Uh, what indeed did happen when he wasn't there to pull her back from the darkness 
we then move to uh, Sword HQ, where news screens talk about the happiness of the returned. So, you know, we don't need uh, title cards on screen telling us where we're at in the timeline. We can understand that this is, what, post-Endgame and pre-the beginning of this show in that couple-of-week period. Um, ultimately, uh, after some back and forth with the security guy, ultimately Wanda ends up in Hayward's office, which, if you didn't reflect on it last time, his office looked a tad small. Um, now we see that the blinds are open and overseeing this major, you know, multi-story work area. So it was just a passing shadow in my mind when we had his first scene in there way back when, what episode three, episode four, somewhere in there that like, it's kind of like, you know, there are college professors that have bigger offices than this. Oh yeah. It's because he's got the best view in all of sword. Interestingly here, Pete Hayward is sympathetic. He's kind, he's caring doubly so as um he shows uh wanda that sword is taking apart vision's body he explains again you know whether you want to believe hayward or not the acting going on here he's explaining that uh they're dismantling the most sophisticated sentient weapon ever this is their legal and ethical obligation um, there is, you know, there's also reference made to the $3 billion worth of vibranium that, that, uh, Vision's body represents. As much as I'm being a little sympathetic towards Hayward, I will also mention that he notes that not everyone can bring their soulmate back online. I mean, back to and life. That's the, that's the key word here. The idea that he will refer to Vision to her as a soulmate you have to wonder like what was known publicly even in a classified sense of their relationship and then given what happens in the post credit scene and what we've seen happen in between with the stark drone uh with the red wiggly woos around it um if this might be a completely premeditated situation. And I would even add to that, that, you know, he, he kind of firmly notes that vision is not hers. If you want to ascribe villainy to him, maybe that's another way of him egging her on. Uh, and indeed she is egged on in that she bursts through the glass, makes her way down uh, the, the several stories to where his body is very tender scene as she touches his head and says that she can't, feel him you know in an emotional sense um she then walks out without the body so we will be discussing in theories how this is different than the the tale of hayward's uh, tape mm -hmm. um walks to her car and and finds an envelope also discussion was it already there was a place there you know we'll, we'll we'll i think it's presented as oh it was sitting there the whole time but it's also presented in just a you know somebody in the production of the of the the mcu show not you know the, the wandavision westview hex thing somebody in the real world put that envelope there so it could be photographed is it somehow the way it's placed is it somehow suggestive like open me i'm a mystery i just got placed there yes there's that too so i think you know i think we'll we'll get it sorted out she leaves florida she drives to new jersey to is westview florida? florida um there are florida plates in the parking lot and all right that um, i didn't pick up there's a pt cruiser though matt go ahead and note that 
because that's coming up again. I did. When you texted me yesterday and said there's some anger over the PT Cruiser, Pete, I own the PT Cruiser. I love I know, that that's PT why I Cruiser. Up. Even, you know, like that engine went bad real fast and that, or not real fast, but when that engine went bad, that was a major repair that put me in the big hole and whatnot, particularly the time in life where I was making a couple bucks less than I am now and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you replaced the whole engine? Uh, I, I had to replace it. Yeah. It was a, it, yeah, it was not a good, it was not a good stretch there, but um, especially having somewhat recently moved. Yeah. Bottom line though, much love for the PT cruiser. I, think I remember that. <laughs> um, she gets to Westview. We see the familiar townspeople. Interesting that they are all in dour form. I don't know what all? to read into that. Um, all? We don't see them all. Everyone who we see looks... Her, in- Phil. Mrs. Hart. Mailman who's actually pizza delivery guy. Sad um, pool. Pete, fall time leaves okay you don't get much more of you know the end the end of the season the end of you know an end of life and whatnot to have fall leaves which (laughs) initially might not jump out of people but let me just remind you this is being filmed okay fine it was being filmed in september october the fall time it's being filmed in southern california somebody brought in those leaves those are, you know, those are not, those are not or leaves. Are they that really to leaves? <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. It, what I'm saying is that is set dressing there. Regardless of where those leaves came from, it's Southern California. This is the same back lot that in prior episodes have been Halloween Town and all of that. Those leaves are there to just say the dying of things. Um, and indeed, she arrives at their home. I'll say in quotes, uh, which is a 800 Sherwood Drive. In uh, Westview, not a real place, 08801, which is actually the zip code for Annandale, New Jersey. Um, We see the Cinderblock Foundation and the weeds. It's at this point that the envelope is opened. It's a deed to the house with a note uh, that's a place to grow old in, signed V. Pete, let me pause the narration here to just address something that was upsetting some people on the social media and the, the 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 upset was essentially this how dare vision's handwriting not look like it came from a robot or a laser printer it took me out of the episode it ruined the whole thing <laughs> so pete as a production again not within the fake world of the fake wandavision show when they're really making this show how do you show that something is personal and written by hand do you show it with a handwritten script or do you print it out on a laser printer because he is a robot and he must communicate his robotness you know to the woman he wants to grow old with even though he doesn't grow old everything about this indicates love and care and matt consider when this happened prior to the events of infinity war he bought a house he bought a plot uh, a lot, I should say, uh, and had premeditated this, which makes what happens in Infinity War. You know, we had the line, I can't feel you delivered painfully by Olsen twice in the previous scene back to Infinity War, where he tells her as he's telling her to take the Infinity Stone, the, the Mind Stone, uh, to destroy it. Uh, that you could never hurt me. All I feel is you. 
the the symmetry that's going on here with the writing, which I think is the unfortunate thing that causes some of the things that are incongruous to get scrutinized. So please understand, we're not criticizing. I'm not criticizing. It's merely noting these things. Are these possible cracks, windows into other takes, other realities? Um, but it's at this point completely overcome in her grief. She kneels. There's the red light from her torso, from her hands. The house is made. The town goes to black and white. Cars get changed. The marquee, Matt, very instant, very instantly and interestingly changes from Tanner Hauser Gate and we put the fun and dysfunction to Big Red and Kidnapped. And uh, Pete, I have some answers for that in the theories segment, which we are getting closer and closer to. Um, but yes, the town now turned over to its black and white 1950s existence. Uh, inside the now formed house, uh, she is continuing to expel that red magic, uh, and it's turning into a yellow mindstone power, if you will. Now, I know that he was also, he, Vision, uh, even pre-Vision, as kind of the, the visualization of Jarvis in Age of Ultron. I know he was also symbolized as yellow. So I'm personally not saying that she is pushing forth mindstone power um although the two are you know have the color in common brings back a version of vision he smiles and again you know elizabeth olsen doing the heavy lifting in this episode when paul bettany smiles and says welcome home it's like that's that's the magic of acting that's the that there's something there that's greater than the sum of you know Handsome, fit British man in makeup, well photographed, says some words in a charming way. Like, there, there's more to it than that. Um, we get the reverse shot where now she has turned into the 1950s version of herself. Uh, they share a moment, and then modern Wanda is there, seeing uh, the set in color, indeed seeing the audience bleachers. And again, let me just hammer home the, in, not incongruity, but the, the way in which this was made when they were outside... Okay, that was sometime in September to November of 2020. Presumably inside here, in this on this set, seeing those bleachers um, would have been at the very beginning of production, like a year previous and, you know, five months prior to COVID reaching this country. And it's just, it, if nothing else, it's the magic of the magic of Hollywood right there. There's one... Out, there's many outstanding shots, but there's one that as Vision is magicked into existence of the reflection on the TV screen. I think that's important to bring up there. And of course, we'll we'll chew over what really took place there. But yeah, the soundstage, the slow clap by Agatha, uh, and then... Uh, out we go into the neighborhood where Agatha is now wearing the closest we've gotten to the comic uh, Agatha Harkness outfit. She's got the brooch, of course. Uh, she's levitating. The kids seem to be on magic leashes. Um, and the discussion here that uh, Wanda is a being capable of of spontaneous creation and she's 
frittering it away. She's wasting it on making breakfast for dinner. Uh, a, a line that resonated for me because I'm not a fan of breakfast for dinner. And uh, there was shots fired for my wife because that's her favorite thing. And then uh, the making of vision that this is chaos magic, a clear reference to the comics, which makes her, Matt, the thing that is said for the first time, the Scarlet Witch. Hey, Jimmy Woo, does she have any nicknames? Uh, He had said no, and we didn't. I mean, we kind of picked that up as an interesting line at the time. But again, here's what you get when you have one writing staff focused on nine episodes, one director, and so forth. All these pieces work together. Uh, We have the name Scarlet Witch invoked. We have a smash cut to start the credits. No, please stay tuned this time. Pete, at this point, we don't need to be told to please stay tuned. Uh, the credits show Bettany first, which continues that trading places of the top spot. I thought it was slightly interesting in that this is an episode largely focused on Elizabeth Olsen, but I get it. This is how they are partitioning out um, the differences here. Um, after Liz- Then we get Elizabeth Olsen rather generously. Then credit is Deborah Jo Rapp, who is Mrs. Hart, uh, who appears in the one scene with no dialogue. Uh, then Catherine Hahn. Then, Pete, the show's not over. Take us to the mid-credits scene. Big, wide angle of the hex to the point where we can see three points meeting. So they're significantly distanced from it. Uh, Hayward uh, asks if the team is ready to launch uh, into a tent. He goes that they've put this back together, that they've tried every type of power to restart it but what do you know the stark drone with the red wiggly woos and then oh my god it's white vision from the comics who comes online with a different shaped stone and is this the actor paul bettany has always wanted to work with matt paul bettany Pete, a good theory, uh, a dangerous theory, and certainly part of the conversation. And have to mention that our conversation each and every week is made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek, making sure that all our costs, the storage and bandwidth and all the behind-the-scenes stuff that's, uh, that's you know, sometimes a chore to deal with, uh, that, that, you know, we're so appreciative to have help with that behind-the-scenes stuff by the people who go to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Could be things no one else ever gets to hear. Could be early listens. Uh, you tell us the value you place on the podcast. It takes just a dollar to get in that door. Can't contribute right now. We absolutely understand. Given the economy, you could go to Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a rating. Take seconds. And Matt, WandaVision as a podcast for fantastic geek. I mean, we're at rating numbers only eclipsed by two other podcasts, agents of shield and, uh, the pop culture podcast by fantastic geek, which has all of our stuff. So in the eight years we've been doing this, this from that metric is the third most successful podcast that we've ever had. Help us get past those numbers and into a, a, a new stratosphere if 
you haven't left one already. What's the deal with this episode? Pete, we've talked about it a bit before. Let's officially, uh, maybe not put it to rest, but let's officially dig in here. Is Wanda and her version of events, uh, is it reliable? Is she a reliable narrator? I think you have to take it on the surface that these are her memories. At the same time, given the complexity of the things that we see, there are enough things that are different than what we've been told before. Specifically, Pietro telling us, there we were, all four of us, having dinner when the bomb fell. No, that's not what happened in this flashback, okay? Uh, The differences in the little girl's eyes. Now, the hair, I think, is just good old-fashioned, hey, here's some Revlon, and she dyed her hair, or maybe it was even uh, the Mind Stone. I don't know that that changed her eye color. Does blue change to green over time? I don't think that's a biological thing. Okay. The Malcolm in the Middle date, you you make of it what you do. I, I think we've explained that away. Probably a bootleg. Okay. Um, but there's enough things that happen that way. And then you compound it with, well, Hayward's shown security footage, yet here is this. And yes, we even see some of the security footage, you know, her looking to the camera um, from the reception desk. Um, but I, I think there's an awful lot that calls it into question. Are we potentially looking at other realities? And I'll add to that. You know, the math I gave at the top of the episode for approximately 300-minute seasons and whatnot, how that would suggest a season, nay, perhaps series finale for WandaVision being in the 35- to 45-minute range. Um, That math made sense. Then we saw this episode, and, you know, I'll again credit Noel Gardner. I think we're we're in for a longer finale than not, in part because... Even if only some of these theories hit, if only some of these questions need to be answered as opposed to, you know, are, they wanted to do a Malcolm in the Middle episode and they had to backtrack because it wasn't out on DVD yet and mumble, mumble, mumble. Um, you know, not everything needs an answer, but there's enough big questions where, you know, the same show that makes sure that we knew four episodes ago that she didn't have the nickname Scarlet Witch now puts that nickname forward. Is that also the same show that got wrong you know, that got wrong some of the particulars that you're talking about. It's, it seems incongruous. Pete, speaking of incongruity, last week a lot of people took me to task uh, saying that there was no way a second vibranium signal was just outside the hex. How's my theory looking now? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, white vision, okay. Um, obviously, the same vibranium he was made of it calls into question. So Wanda, the Scarlet Witch told, uh, by Agatha to Wanda and to us, a being capable of spontaneous creation. So can create apparently vibranium on her own can recreate vision complete with his memories. Um, memories to a point. To a point, it, it, it's true. 
it's going to be interesting to see. And I don't know if we want to go predictions just yet, but obviously this white vision is going to be weaponized to what's going on in the hex. Um, will the two incorporate into one in that you will have. So he's a robot. He's got to have on his hard drive memories, even though the stone's been plucked out, has Wanda created a new mind stone. Pete, the movie house goes from Tannhauser Gate, the fun in dysfunction, to Big Red and Kidnapped. Uh, the Tannhauser Gate ultimately is a reference to Blade Runner, a story about sentient robots. As for Big Red and Kidnapped, I can't decode that. Can you decode that for me? <laughs> red, red sorceress, <laughs> and these people are prisoners. <laughs> oh, that does help quite a bit. Um where are you at with Wanda's version of events in contrast with Hayward's video? I know we've touched on it a bit. And again, if it was the one thing by itself, I would immediately say uh, clearly Hayward's video was doctored. But we have doctored, albeit incorrect, video from Sokovia. Now we have Hayward's video that has been doctored to show things that didn't happen versus in with Sokovia, the video didn't show what did happen so what's up again one thing is it's a weird story thing or it's a it's a little hanging incongruity two you start to say what's the pattern matt if tyler hayward were here right now i would throw my shoe at him and call him a liar um clearly the events of wanda's flashback and what he's put forth did not happen the same way. Um, but again, there is a disconnect between them and whether or not we can fully trust what is being shown to us. Uh, going in and calmly, if not emotionally, demanding Vision's body. That is not storming the sword facility the two are different uh i will buzz you in versus you know what i don't have time to wait for you to buzz me in and i'm about to see the body of my uh lover uh i'm going to use my magic to open the door are 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 two different actions uh it's not an attack though so when she gets back outside there was the deed to the house placed in Wanda's car by Hayward by our old pal who has yet to show up at all in the MCU Mephisto who's the evil of everything uh, <laughs> or did she just have it with her as she was trying to you know collect herself after this massive loss and Tony Stark's funeral and, and trying to move on with the next phase of her of her her broken life well let's be clear this happens after Stark's funeral I, I think that's oh sure sure yeah um if we wanted or we were being led to believe that had been placed i think there'd be a huh what is this how did this get here that doesn't happen it's half open she had it what's what's more important going to see him or reading the contents of that I, I think we can all make that call there. Um, 
so I, I don't think it was placed by Hayward. I, I don't think some unseen third party has placed that. I think it was in her possession all along. You know, conceivably the Avengers and what they do, uh, akin to maybe, you know, uh, the, the security forces of our world, you have a break glass in case I don't come back box that has uh you know things for next of kin uh the malcolm in the middle episode you know we're told the man is not grievously injured no no it's not that kind of show vision has been grievously injured now or has he given the possibilities of of mind transference or the body is back and whatnot will white vision give us a happy ending pete the the cast has said there's not a happy ending that there's a lot of pain ahead so do we trust them we've also been told by paul bettany i've always wanted to work with this actor who's going to make a cameo and if it's only him okay he's he's always wanted to work with himself um so i i just don't know well and, and that's my last question here so joke or not joke that the big season-ending cameo, which allows Bettany to work with someone he has not worked opposite before, um, joke or not joke? There's such a blindness in terms of what is coming in this next episode, and I, I can't make a determination. It's cute. He definitely alluded that, that we talked last week, Matt, that somebody went through Bettany's IMDb and excluded every named actor he had ever worked with. Okay, it's nobody in this group. Is the level to which people are talking about and dissecting this show. What a time to do a podcast. Pete, what theories do you have on your questionable radar as an insider outside the hex? So I like to go chronologically here with what we haven't already hit. The very beginning of the episode, the eight total which is you exclude mom you get seven um in new salem matt the storyline from the 70s in the marvel comics there are the salem seven bothered by nicholas scratch um that's that's interesting and of course you know, there's so much that's like, how much of this is directly informed by a comic storyline? How much of this is evoking a comics moment? I know we had some stuff sent our way on Twitter that was from the comics where it's Vision's body all laid out in a, you know, in a similar manner to as we saw in the episode. Here's another factor, and I know I've said this before on the podcast, but, you know, we only do or, or we do only have the one episode left and it might be two hours long it might be an hour long it might be 45 minutes long whatever it is presumably this season needs to be wrapped up by the end of it fine wanda's going on to dr strange and who knows who's going to show up and who knows what other things will be set up and teed off from all this so on and so forth but we shouldn't end this episode saying so what is the deal with agatha and well fine wanda's there but is vision alive or dead and and how about mrs hart like we need to get some answers for these things. Is there enough time to introduce Nicholas Scratch and his connection to the Salem Seven? I don't think that there's time for that. 
But again, that's under the idea that we're in the neighborhood of 38 to 52 minutes. That's what I would peg the finale at. If you click, you know, Friday morning, you look and go, it says it's an hour and a half. Holy crow. Well, then that's all the more space to go, you know, all over in, in space and time. When Agatha is originally hit by the witches with their blue magic, um, prior to the purple, she has red around her neck. The idea of Wanda and her red energy, now Scarlet Witch name-checked, is it a mantle? We know that Agatha Harkness in the comics... Uh, at one point antagonistic with Wanda and then there's a mentor relationship will she train her is she going to find out how to do runes and the names of spells and know what she's doing and become an even more powerful being I think that the structure of these eight episodes so far one can now say the show knew that there were all these questions and mysteries and, and impossibilities. Like, how do you go from the MCU, which appears to operate by the normal rules of our universe, just with a you know, little magic here, a little space Thanos there, but it's, it's you know, up is up and down is down and all of that. How do you go to TV land each week? I think the show knew at a certain point we're going to pay off all of this and we're going to do our version of the other 48 days. We're going to do our version where things now get explained um, and it would make sense to do that in the penultimate episode, so you can have the last episode be the big fight, and you know all the all the kind of emotional questions answered, but the the mechanic, the story mechanic questions get answered in 108. How are you going to do that? We start to backtrack. There's magic. You have Agatha Harkness as a comics character. I think much of these questions have been leading to the payoff here. So. Are we going to start next week with some sort of, you know, where the greatest peril is Wanda versus Agatha to save the kids? Absolutely. I don't know, though, that that's the thrust for most of the episode. Not with, you know, zombie vision on the other side of the hex. Not with these Hayward questions. Um, Even, I, I mean, I guess we have satisfactorily answered the whole genesis of the hex without you know the the whisper of mephisto i think this might be the 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 episode where mephisto died um unless he still is hayward you know so i guess the theory isn't fully dead but my point being this pete we know we just have the one episode ahead is there the time in other storytelling forms like doctor strange 2 for agatha harkness to be training scarlet witch I mean, maybe if you're going to have Catherine Hahn in a couple of scenes, maybe if, surprise, surprise, Catherine Hahn is the third build person or the fourth build person in Doctor Strange and they've kept it a secret this whole time. But I kind of sense not. I feel like if you wanted to have it to be a Wanda movie, you'd call it a, you know, the Scarlet Witch movie, not she's the second person in Doctor Strange 2. So I think we're going to get what we get from Agatha in this episode, or pardon me, in next week's episode, and that'll be it. I don't think that we're now setting up phase two, the friendship and the and the um, the the training and all of that. Well, what if we get a Scarlet Witch movie down the road? Um, that could be too. I mean, maybe you know, is is the thing at the end of next week's episode? Because let's you know, let's not just watch out for um for secret scenes. We also need to watch for the very end. 
Scarlet Witch will return in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? We can look forward to that. So, you know, do we get Scarlet Witch will return in the Scarlet Witch movie coming 2024? I mean, that's not impossible. Agatha's mom and the blue crown thing similar. There's a couple more, I guess, spikes than the Scarlet Witch. What's going on there? I read it as, you know, mom was, you know, the, the chief of the coven. And, um, you know, whether whether there's a magical crown put on her head or whether that's the manifestation of her authority or whatever it might be. I think that it's the show trying to draw a line between these magical people and the magical boss. And then now we've seen this kind of still nebulous vision of um, <laughs> of Wanda seeing Scarlet Witch in, you know, as she's given given some powers from the Mind Stone. So I think it's just an attempt to say, hey, this is the witch crown that's from way back when. And there's going to be some version of that that when we get fully formed Scarlet Witch as a character or as a, you know, by that name in the outfit, whatever it might be, it's that kind of, it, you know, it's the iconic comics headdress that was drawn way back when for whatever reasons, but now we're reinterpreting it as the witch's crown. Well, to Scarlet Witch's crown, which looks a lot like an M, the first rune that we see on the wall in Agatha's basement this hex protection spell on each wall is an M. We know of the House of M that we have hinted at and even taken from for a lot of this show. Uh, with the flashback and the actors used, and no mention, of course, of Magneto, um, we know, too, that... Pietro and Wanda were at one point in an orphanage. Here's the big one, Matt. Are those two people we see in this flashback really mom and dad Maximoff? Pete, I know you've wanted week after week after week for the commercial couple to be mom and dad. Um, I don't think it's happening. I think maybe we're going to get commercial couple when the hex officially comes down, um, maybe it's the neighbors on the other other side or the neighbors across the street or something like that. Um, insofar as, you know, we've called into question Wanda's vision of things. No pun intended there for vision. Wanda's version of things. Um, if she's getting things wrong, I think that either it is a... Um, she's lying to herself uh, or it's misremembering. I don't think that she is lying in what we see. So I think that had they looked different, she would have said, wait, no, something's wrong. Or we would have gotten a couple clues or a couple looks where we say, oh, we're setting up the reveal that it was actually Pete, our season-long villain that people have been fighting for all along. It actually was Mephisto who blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I think that she would have noticed if her parents looked different and again we only have the one episode left so if we are going to set up some sort of twist there's not exactly the time to do it and say wait mama and papa actually weren't these two they were those two well, let me ask it another way in the way that uh agatha asks it what is wanda's secret her truth where did she get these baby witch powers that the mind stone pumped into overdrive 
So I know a lot of people want to say, mutants, look, it's mutants. We discovered mutants. Here's the thing, though. There's another M that's already been in the MCU. Magic, right? We saw it in Doctor Strange, and we saw how that whole order was super old and and all of that. And we even saw now, you know, uh, Agatha and the Witch's Coven back in 1693. So... If an argument is going to be made at some point, well, witches are actually um, on the the mutant spectrum. Totally fine. I'm totally for that. I know that in the comics, magic is slightly different from being um, a mutant. But there's no reason why, as we bring Fantastic Four and the X-Men and mutants into the MCU in the coming years, there's no reason why some of that can't be reinterpreted and not just reinterpreted like because it's in the adaptation process you want to rethink how it's done kevin feige i give you permission if you need it from me uh, but my point being this wanda wouldn't be the first mutant to ever have magic if we've seen magic since 1693 so she's either she's part of that magic community which we are told in dialogue by agatha or at least it's it's inferred, or, or one can assume that Agatha was being truthful, that without further practice and education, the magical uh, abilities would have faded away. So to me, we don't need mutantism to explain magic. We already have magic in the MCU. Well, could the parents that we saw have adopted uh, Wanda and Pietro and assumed for them, oh, we're your birth parents. The heredity of the magic, and, I mean, can we assume that Pietro also has what Wanda has, or had, because uh, he's dead, um, that it came from their lineage? Now that we have the... the now that we have Wanda's version, which let's assume it is shown by and large with fidelity um she had some powers before the uh the exposure to the infinity stone i guess that means pietro did as well now was it the same kind of magical stuff was he maybe ignoring it um did he maybe not have it at all and his powers which are different is it a result of him having a different makeup in that he had just mindstone jazz fingers you know that made him run fast whereas if you are naturally magic then you get more magical from the mind stone i think there's there's enough flexibility there where they don't need to give an answer or they can give a partial answer however i do like your idea that they could have been adopted yes it's a little soap opera ish but it's also completely comic ish to be like the secret history that you didn't know about uh need I say Spider-Man clone saga? I mean, don't need to say anything more than that to say sometimes they could take away more than they mean to and the fans aren't happy, blah, blah, blah. But Pete, if the comics father of Wanda and Pietro shows up in one of the two actors, um, if that character shows up in the finale to say, surprise, surprise, you were adopted all along, I, Magneto, Michael Fassbender, or I, Magneto, Ian McKellen, am your real father, that would be legitimate also wait a minute pete ian mckellen and michael fassbender both having been working for a really long time if i was paul bettany i'd want to work with either of them yeah. for a long time yeah and i mean you have the magneto 
Eric uh, story that goes back to uh, the Holocaust. There you're talking Germany. You've got Sokovia here. You've got uh, Wanda and Pietro, obviously separated by a, a greater period of time. Uh, it's a great sandbox to potentially play in. Will they eventually do Magneto on their own with, you know, uh, an adaptation of that tale remains to be seen, but that's another thing floating out there potential for the finale here. I just um, want to revise my, revise my theory here ever so slightly. Uh, I apologize if I, uh, aged Michael Fassbender more than I meant to. Michael Fassbender is 43. Yeah, but um, if you see how he ages between the early 1990s and the year 2000 <laughs> into Ian McKellen. Yeah, okay, I, I will grant you that. He's Plus been aged he, before, Matt. That's true, um, and forever it's worth, yeah, I guess that would work, right? Um, look, the, the Fox X-Men timeline is a mess. I would, I would, I would feel goose, goose pimply if Michael Fassbender shows up in the Magneto helmet and old man makeup and says, hello, I'm your real father. Um, I would not be able to contain my joy if Ian McKellen walks out and says, hello, son, you know, hello, daughter. I guess it wouldn't be son. I'm, <laughs> I'm mixing up Vision and Pietro as I look at Paul Bettany's Wikipedia, but, um, I'd much rather have Ian McKellen walk out with all due respect to Mr. Fassbender. So the peril at the end of the episode, the children in Agatha's hands, I think we get a really big hint through Wanda watching uh, the Brady Bunch in isolation. Uh, we have Cindy with uh, Kitty Carriol. We've seen Kitty Carriol previously in WandaVision back when Vision was learning to uh, change diapers. Bobby, of course, in dialogue from the Brady Bunch, uh, says that the baby has no feelings, that there's sawdust or rags in its head. But the Scarlet Witch is a being capable of creation. Matt, I'm going to put a magic gun to your head. Are the kids real or are they not? Prior to the line from Agatha, you know, whose authority I think we can, we can not question, you know, the, the super powerful witch took out the coven 400 years ago, you know, blah, 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 like clearly knows her stuff. When she says, you know, the Scarlet Witch uh, is capable of creating life where there was none before, there in my mind is the story answer to the question, are the twins real or not? Um, I think that there's, with all due respect to the twins, who, let's not forget, are fictional characters, so I'm about to be completely dismissive of their existence because they're actually not real, but, you know, it would have made for quite a quite a sad but entertaining finale if it was like, you know, uh, a version of Mr. Stark, I don't feel so well, you know, Mom, what's happening? No, fade, 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 and, you know, for the mother to lose her kids, there's good story juice there. Again, not trying to be disrespectful, but none of these people are real. Um, th there's potential there. But we were just told that Wanda, in fact, can spontaneously create life here. So I think I think these two boys make it out fine. I think they make it out of the story okay. To what degree they're showing up in future stuff, I don't know. But I think, they're, I think that they are alive and they make it out, which 
does that then lean itself towards or lend itself rather towards a version of vision making it out as well maybe we do get a happy ending but then where's the sad ending that tiana paris and others have told us about i don't know what to think pete matt what are the property rights when it comes to vibranium synthesoids um i'm yeah there's times that there's a level of pedantry with some of these details details that first of all start as a genesis in a in a writing room to talk about emotional interactions between real characters i know that they are fake but something that i think is worth keeping in mind with a lot of this marvel stuff and and dc as well is these are not one-off characters these are characters with decades and decades of history so you can pull from all these things and in that sense they are real that they've lived all these versions of their lives in, in a whole bunch of different media and so forth so my to sit and say well there's no legal mechanism in our world for a robot to own okay fine uh how about he saved the world a bunch of times and maybe in you know in between movies somebody said you know uh short circuit two style and vision hereby is a man and he had a whole swearing in and he did yippee and he was a citizen and all that stuff can we just assume that as opposed to saying robot can't buy land we can say this husband i mean they weren't married but this husband bought for his wife something that they could share for the end of their days and he's not aging so it's the end of her days and it's this incredibly compassionate and human thing and not get worried about you know does sussex county new jersey allow for property transfer rights from robots who don't sign with laser printers they sign with markers and handwrite like at a certain point it's about two people in love trying to build a life the makeup and the stuff covering Paul Bettany's ears and the special effects are all just extra razzle-dazzle to tell a story about two people tragically trying to make their way as a couple in this world or their world or whatever. What did Wanda see in the Mind Stone? I think she saw i mean i guess the two choices are this did she see an alternate version of herself i.e multiverse because we've we we've we we know where the story ends up in terms of a multiverse have we pulled too much of that into this season we'll find out next week or did she see a possible future of herself in this timeline or did she see the potential in her i'm gonna go with the potential in her and if anyone's going to say, but, 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 she's wearing the screen-accurate costume that ends up getting revealed at the end of 109, I'm imagining, um, I would just say, okay, again, you need to show something, so why not, why not grab Lizzie when she's on set for the big, you know, thus I have defeated you thing for 109 and take a couple of pictures and digitally insert them into 108 as the, 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 the view there. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say it's a, it, it is a view, I said vision, it's a view of the potential that she has as da 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 the Scarlet Witch. You wanna go where people know people are all the same. You wanna go where everybody knows your name. Pete to Twitter we go starting before the poll, starting with some direct messages here. The first one from Shauna Kelly, that's at Shauna Kell. 
uh, who says, love your podcast so much. Okay, so this may be moot by the next episode, but who knows. But I rewatched Age of Ultron, and there's another Nexus reference. It was where Jarvis was hiding after Ultron killed him. Or rather, where Tony found out it was Jarvis that had scattered himself across cyberspace trying to block Ultron. So given Vision's mysterious situation in WandaVision, I thought it was an interesting connection. Also, it was Thor's lightning that brought him to life, and then he was sustained by the Mind Stone. Could we see some corollary when he is somehow born in the Hex? Uh, reborn in the Hex, pardon me. What is the spark, I wonder? So certainly, Pete, my take there, perhaps being the spark, was Wanda's magic, but uh, great catch there about the uh, the dual use there of Nexus. Uh, we also heard from Amanda Azar, uh, who said, uh, if it's any indication, I'm a new listener and I've been binging your podcast eps all day today in prep for tomorrow's episode. Pete, this before the airing of uh, 108. Thanks for the likes. You guys are amazing. I'll definitely be going back and listening to the movie episodes as well. Pete, great plug there for our Marvel movie podcast, which uh, those movie episodes also repeated on our pop culture podcast feed, but we do have our standalone Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek as well, if you want to hit just the movie end of things. Uh, Amanda says she's excited to be part of this community now, and we, of course, are super excited to have her on board. Uh, Then after viewing the episode, she had these thoughts. Um, I hope it's okay to... uh, she says, uh, but I figured my response to WandaVision 108 was too long to send in multiple tweets, so I'm sending it here. Indeed, DMs are open, everybody. Go for it. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a new listener here. I essentially binged all seven episodes of this podcast in a day so I could catch up and be up to date on all theories before episode eight dropped, and I'm so glad I did. The dialogue and the theories truly make my mind go in a million directions, and that just comes with the territory, right? I love it. Now to the latest episode. This one truly changed the game, though I've admittedly said that after each episode. Catherine Hahn is showing off some incredible acting chops. I mean, we knew she was a comedic genius, but this is next level. I'm so thrilled every time she shifts focus and demeanor as Agatha. I get chills. My MVP of the week, which is probably not a shocker, goes to Elizabeth Olsen. I am blown away by each frame. If you blink, you miss a twitch of emotion. Seeing how the death of her parents affected her and getting the context in her backstory really rounded out Wanda's history for me. Watching this episode completely gutted me in the best way possible. I think we've all been in that boat. Uh, But back to Amanda's words. A thought, though. I've always wondered why they didn't give Wanda powers from, uh, didn't give Wanda powers from that of the Reality Stone. It blends perfectly from something as simple as the color scheme to what she can actually do. In any case, I'll be waiting with bated breath for the final episode, and in the meantime, I'll be playing the scene where Vision says, but what is grief, if not love, persevering indefinitely? And that with the crying face emoji there. Uh, And then she sent an addendum. Uh, A slight addendum to my above post would be that uh, it's possible if Wanda got her powers from the Reality Stone, she couldn't have brought Vision back. In that scene, you see a clear distinction between the red aura of her changing the reality around her and a yellow aura from the Mind Stone that's in her creating a new vision. So much to think about. Can't wait to check out the podcast tomorrow. And Pete, tomorrow's today because we've heard from her in the podcast. Well, thank you. Really thought out there from Amanda. I mean, Catherine Hahn, uh, that I'm apparently married to a de-aged version of her. 
you know, can't say enough about uh, both the comedic and the dramatic uh, that she's shown off here. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen, everybody's on board, I think, at this point. Give her give her all the Emmys. Uh, somebody on uh, Facebook attempted to say that she's 29 and make her even younger. She's 32. Feige is super smart. They're going to build around this character for a very long time. And I think in light of what Wanda sees, uh, I don't know that it's multiverse. I think she's seen this ultimate potential that she could have. Will she ultimately reach it? That remains to be seen. But I doubt they're going to get rid of a 32-year-old performer. Now, could she come to Feige and say, hey, it's been great. I, I love what you've done for me, but now they want to spin me uh, off and, you know, I can do all these rom-coms and I can do all this other stuff. That's certainly a possibility. Or is she like, you know what, make me Scarlet Witch. Let's let's get into the mutants. Let's get into Magneto. Let's do all this. We're going to have to wait and see, but it's on the table. Um, the Reality Stone... A lot of people have brought that up the red they they did it with uh they did it with thor though they chose to go a different route there uh that was the pre feige in charge of it all time could you now that the reality stones and uh, the reality stones the infinity stones and everything's been really kind of decided there go back and change them up i suppose you could but it's just the way that it exists right now. Continuing with Twitter, looking at some of our Twitter polls, uh, we had the, the we have the poll the greater and the poll the lesser. Start with the lesser poll here. What did Wanda see in the yellow glow? Uh, the choices were multiverse, Scarlet Witch got forty eight point one percent, so that clearly a favorite. Next option, a Scarlet Witch Easter egg, so maybe not meant to be taken literally. That's what I was suggesting for that choice in the poll. Got almost 30%. Uh, the answer every week, Mephisto got 11.1%, and then other reply below got 11.1% as well. And uh, we heard from J. Philly B4 Fandom, who said right before Agatha's mother died, her white magic formed a crown around her head. They have the same silhouette as the Scarlet Witch headdress and the figure in the yellow glow. No idea what it means, but maybe a sign that the magic was choosing Wanda. Why? Uh, and I certainly would agree there with the notion that there's some kind of connection to b between the title of Scarlet Witch and the crown and and uh, and the traditional Scarlet Witch costume and all of that. So hopefully it's made much more clear uh, in next week's episode because that may be their, their one shot to do it. On to the main poll, though. Wow, wow, wow. What did you think of the penultimate episode of WandaVision? Uh, we'll start from the bottom up. One broom, Mother, got 3%. Two brooms, Walnuts, got 3%. Three brooms, Talks to Bunny, got 8.9%. And then four brooms, the question we've been asking ourselves, how will it end, got 85.1%. And lots of thoughts and responses here. We heard from Lady Kate Blackett, who said, I'm sad that this is two episodes in a row that Wanda and Vision are not together in her contemporary Westview. Just another reminder for us that this will not end with kisses and a sunset. So Kate bringing 
a very reasonable gloom and doom to how this may end. Andre Yeager, that's at Dr. Polo 1983, said so much to discuss, so it wasn't Agatha all along. Wanda's grief was the trigger, and her childhood love of sitcoms was the influence. She had powers before the staff, and they were amplified there. What did she do with the Stark bomb? They never showed it. Uh, I think the implication being that, I don't know, somehow they got out, but I would agree with Andre that it's a bit of a, a bare spot story-wise. Uh, James the Sagacious, that's uh, at Big Killen, said, did she have quote-unquote mutant powers? Uh, of course, the word mutant, something we're only recently allowed to say in the MCU, but I think the implication there, yes, that the powers predated, uh, not even the implication, it, Agatha outright intuits that the powers were there before the uh, the Infinity Stones interaction. We heard from JT Atkins, it's at JTA is me. Definitely raises the tension and sets the stage fit for the three-hour finale. I think JT being a little tongue-in-cheek there. Um, it was not Agatha all along, though. Who had the video of Wanda stealing uh, the weapon in question? Because now we know that didn't happen. It was Hayward, right? That dude is up to no good. Uh, definitely, you know, I continue to not be quite sure where to land on the whole video aspect of it. But increasingly, I think... People who were uh, people who were suspicious about Hayward are correct, uh, or I, I think they're going to be correct. We're from Jor Division. That's at Mighty underscore Jor. So this actor, Paul Bettany, has been referring uh, to that will show up at the end of the show that he has wanted to work with since he was a child, that he really respects, that he has some amazing scenes with. Is he referring to himself as White Vision? I think he is. Uh, and Pete, that's something that we discussed earlier and i think it's increasingly that that's not a bad call at all it's gone in my mind it's gone from joke to less jokey uh we heard from hydra uh, hail hydra that's at hydra lives um hydra underscore lives pardon me the big three reveals at the end had me jumping up and down they said it chaos white vision gonna be a long seven days can't wait for the pod well here it is hydra um we heard from our captain captain noel gardner one thing I'm sure of, Hayward is up to no good. Everything in his office was theater. Wanda having powers that were enhanced by the Infinity Stone is interesting. Agatha is impressed. She felt Wanda's magic and wants to know how she's able to do, uh, to do all of it, uh, seemingly untrained. We saw real-life Herb, Mrs. Hart, Jones, and Dennis. No Mr. Hart or Dottie. Hmm. I like the Easter egg nods to other shows. Uh, it was all a dream... Dallas and moving on up the Jeffersons. Also, it was a nice twist at the beginning with the witch on witch trial. Um, and uh, David Dunn asked where the Jeffersons Easter egg was, and indeed, uh, Agatha saying in the Avengers compound, moving on up. Uh, James is sagacious back to say, Great episode, still so much unanswered. All the more reason why, in the last week, my opinion has changed from. 35 to 40 minute finale i think it almost needs to be closer to the hour um you know i think all these episodes are the length they need to be but there's there's a lot to resolve here uh we heard from senior scratchy that's at dr what w u t t anything other than four brooms is doing it a great injustice of course referring to our poll excellent 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 hear from jackie wolf that's at jackie wolf at this point the only thing i'm reasonably sure about is that the series will incorporate mutants into the marvel universe also wondering if wanda will somehow incorporate the two visions into one which means he'll be able to leave the hex i think that's the theory to hope for 
I don't know whether we're going to have our hopes uh, rewarded or dashed. Uh, we heard from Darren Bell, Darren B46052059. Great episode. Really thought Agatha was going to call out Wanda as being a mutant. A little bit disappointed that it seems Pietro may not be the X-Men version. Still think there's at least one more twist to come in the finale. I would bet we have twists ahead of us. Heard from Jane Izzy Designs. That's at Jane Izzy Designs. That's handy. Disney Plus advertising, two episodes left. Some take this meaning episode eight just dropped, and the others seeing it as an announcement. There's a secret episode 10 coming. What do you think? And Pete, I see you had responded on Twitter there. There's definite confirmation from a non 5G, six, six degrees of separation. There's no 10th WandaVision episode. Uh, I would add to that Kevin Feige has outright said, you know. Uh, in the last week, he has said uh, their goal is to do about six hours for each of these shows. Sometimes it's six one-hour episodes. I would not, by the way, everybody, again, I would not pin my hopes to uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier being 60 minutes apiece, but about an hour. Or you could divide that over uh, nine episodes, he said, as with WandaVision. So... I think we're all in agreement. Next week is the finale. Uh, we heard from AKA Frank Castle, uh, Mr. DJ himself at DJ underscore black, B L A K 357. So, is Wanda a mutant or a witch? Also, the director is a liar, liar, pants on fire. I expect to see Mr. Doctor, does anyone get that reference, before the end of the show next week? Last thing, uh, didn't Gemma and Fitz do this same thing? I digress. So, we have some references to Doctor Strange and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. there. Uh, David Dunn, uh, at I'm David Dunn, replying, clearly going down the Witch Sorcerer Road as part of the universe. Uh, we heard from LMD Mary, that's at Geek Kirk. So, after this episode, I firmly believe the only story point that gets resolved in the final episode is Zombie Vision being fought and taken out by Wanda and Fake Vision with Monica. Interesting to ponder that, yes, of course, we know there's more story, we know there's Doctor Strange too. It's not necessarily incumbent upon this season to conclude more versus less in terms of the overall MCU. I think it's incumbent upon this season to conclude more versus less if we want to have a complete season. So what that tension is, I don't quite know. Uh, but going back to Mary here, I think Agatha will be on the loose with the twins in the MCU, possibly the multiverse. I think there's a high likelihood Monica winds up running sword and uh, also placing my bet on the after credit scene next week linking to Ms. Marvel. That would all be fantastic. I think there's the possibility for lots of links. Um, we heard from Stephen, uh, Steve Thurburge. That's at Steve Thur Thurburge. Uh, so, original timeline is WandaVision ends six months before Doctor Strange 2. Uh, and I think he's talking about our timeline in terms of these things being released. I don't know that we know in the MCU when Doctor Strange 2 comes out, but it presumably comes out after Spider-Man Far From Home, which, let's not forget, this is taking place in the fall of 2023. Spider-Man Far From Home takes place in the summer of 2024, so presumably Doctor Strange 2 takes place at some point after that. I think I have that correct. Anyhow, back to Steve, who says, Can we have Mephisto as the slow turnaround in post-credit scenes setting up uh, Multiverse of Madness, a la the first Avengers movie, pretty please? I think that's a good bet, too. Uh, we heard from Jane Izzy Designs again. Where was Monica while all this past revisiting was happening? 
Um, let's not forget, yes, this was a hearty episode, a big meal of an episode, but if we go with the timeline, the way it was presented, I'd, I'll leave it this way. The episode basically unfolds in real time, right? We're going through these memories in real time, so it's a half hour. Um, so Monica has whatever happened to her at the end of 107 or pardon me episode 7 with getting tapped by Pietro she's in story time out for the at least the 30 minutes that it takes for this story to be told on Spider-Ham Lincoln saying that uh, I'm sure we'll get the answer to that question in the finale and I certainly would agree uh, and we heard again from Spider-Ham Lincoln who says um, some quick hits for episode 8 perfectly timed flashback episode and title Loved seeing Wanda's childhood and visit to Sword. Devilish foreshadowing silhouette or Scarlet Witch uh, vision at the uh, 20 minute 17 mark. I think that's the the glow there in the yellow. And the transformation of Westview was terrific. It really, really was. Uh, We heard from Wes Sager. That's at Wes Sager uh, on Twitter who says, Love the episode. Outstanding performances. Jaw-dropping moments. Hashtag make mine marvel. Uh, We heard... uh, Outside from the world of DM, uh, we heard uh, Amanda Azar again. That's at Amanda Azar saying um, that uh, this show is nothing short of revolutionary. Uh, We heard from the Funnest Frontier podcast. That's at Dex Lower. I'm still holding out hope. That includes a picture of the Ian McKellen Magneto. That would be amazing. Uh, We heard from Anna. That's at Money underscore Mama with two A's at the end there. No surprise that Hayward is the bad guy. Basic Marvel trope. I would echo that. Oh, Hayward was good in the first half. And, you know, by the end is the bad guy. Seeing lots of pull from the comics, which is great for us comics fans. Will it be, uh, uh, pardon me, it will be interesting to see how they weave the colorless vision into the story. Probably a vision v. vision showdown. Uh, Let's see. Uh, As it is in the comics or something of that nature. Hoping that will lead to the vision we and Wanda know coming back to life so she can finally have some peace in her life. Not buying the idea that Agatha is the villain. The comics never determine if she's ultimately good or bad. Hope that she and Wanda will form a positive bond slash partnership. I think the next episode will involve or end with appearances from Strange and Fury. But let's also discuss the Infinity Stone scene. I'll buy the idea that her powers are not due to being a mutant. Loved the major Scarlet Witch in action foreshadowing. Um... And uh, she then says, while it raised more questions about her power source, uh, the whole Infinity Stone thing, love that it finally answered uh, the questions surrounding how the Hex came to be and the sitcom influence. We also heard from Envisioning Wanda, that's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1, unfreaking believable, Pete that with the P-H. What else can you say about this show? Wanda had powers before the stone, but was she a witch or a mutant? The explanation of the sitcoms makes sense. Throwing out Scarlet Witch like that, I hope they dig into that. Sounds like a witchy myth. Uh, We know Tyler lied about Wanda stealing Vision's body, so now we know Wanda's vision and the actual vision, double vision. I hope this means that we will get a vision back in the MCU and, dare I hope, a fight between them. Obviously, we'll see more of Monica. In the last episode, we see a better... uh, we better see, pardon me, Jimmy and Darcy, and they better play a part in the eventual outcome. Uh, they need to be in future movies. Darcy can carry her own without Jane and Thor, although I'd love to see her there too. I cannot get over this show uh, and what it would mean for the MCU as a whole. 
And then to wrap up the tweets here, we heard uh, again from J Philly B. That's at J Philly B for fandom. The number four there. So there, uh, so there were, there was a vibranium blip outside the hex, and Agatha is the shark powering up uh, on others' magic. Still expecting the reveal of the real big bad, not Agatha or Hayward, but something, uh, someone else. Wondering if Agatha's tough love is designed to push Wanda's power to help Agatha break a bond the big bad may have over Agatha. Uh, to succeed where Agatha's mother and coven failed. Uh, my guess is still for Agent Wu's missing witness being the real bad, Carl Mordo. Not familiar with the comics, but to me the red sparks uh, in the background of all the flashbacks looked uh, like the magic around Agatha's book and Doctor Strange's magic. So some great thoughts there, Pete, and uh, your thoughts there on the possibility of Mordo being the one to return. First off, uh, just a lot of gratitude towards Philadelphia in general, uh, and that's not always been the case with me, uh, but things have obviously changed. Uh, it'll be different during the baseball season, but again, nothing but love for Philly right now. Mordo coming back, I mean, they had really set that up. Um, is it too long now that that's laid fallow? I don't know that it is. We also don't know that that's not happening for Dr. Strange, uh, and the multiverse of madness. I, I love that we can have so many conversations. I mean, off mic, Matt has shared with me a bonkers idea that we just joked about for like five minutes <laughs> that people think is going to happen that is so not going to happen um but yeah should we say what it is i i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to put it out into the world <laughs> um i want to make memes about it so maybe <laughs> you know i can put those together on twitter uh it's it's not a photoshop type of thing though it requires a lot of video editing but i think could be great uh, Pete, what do you have over there on Facebook? Robert T. Frost writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, rewatching the last episode, and I realized that while we saw who and some of the what, we haven't touched the why. That, plus Hayward, plus the children, plus Vision, plus Pietro, and, 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 the show can, uh, still has a lot of of ground to cover okay all the more reason pete why you know I, I, i'm saying up front i think i got it wrong that this is going to be a 35 minute finale uh there's too much story now that's unresolved pete we haven't even talked about what's the final fate of pietro i mean we have a sense that he was all just a a, a, a you know a, a magic wisp all along what did he do to um to monica what's her role in the finale mm -hmm. is she going to meet up with captain marvel is that the is that the big cameo like there's so much here that i'm increasingly captain noel you were right this should be an over an hour not even counting the credits i was wrong i'm sorry i didn't believe you <laughs> greg gear responds to robert t frost here i've had this take on agatha for a while now i think she's trying to help wanda cope 
with her trauma. I should preface, Matt, that both of these messages were prior to this episode on our Facebook page. Okay. Uh, Greg says, I think she's been trying to help Wanda cope with her trauma. She was the one helping her along in the first episodes and also urging her to have children. When the scene didn't go Wanda's way, Agatha was concerned and asked if she'd like to do it again. When Sparky died, and yes, I know Agatha was responsible, I think it was to help Wanda learn the lesson of coping with death by helping her sons cope. She runs interference between Wanda and Monica because she doesn't want Monica interfering with her therapy. Is all this at the expense of the citizens of Westview? Well, yes, but I said she was helpful, not good. So is Agatha Wanda's grief counselor. We'll find out in a few hours. I mean, it, it also dials back to this continued notion that I think in, in a weird way, this episode, episode eight, helps strengthen. And it, it's this notion of, you know, is Wanda good or evil in all of this? And I think that we can see, obviously, you know, her grief overtook her. And we saw that in the creation of 1950s Westview. But that's a grief that we now can best understand has been a through line since the loss of her parents. And, you know, add to it the loss of her brother and all of that. So I, I like that distinction between, what was it helpful and good? Um, this notion that, you know, this notion that there's a gray area for both Wanda and Agatha, I think is is really authentic. And, and hopefully there is kind of that commonality. I know I argued before against Agatha hanging around and being a, being a, a teacher, a helper and whatnot, but it would be nice to see these two women work together as opposed to one must defeat the other for, for dominance, that kind of thing. Matt, we talked about cars before, and all I'm going to say prior to reading Steve Adams' Facebook post is buckle up. Okay, And again, WandaVision completely changes everything, he writes. Everything we thought we knew was wrong. What is Hayward's ultimate motivation and plan? We know he lied about Wanda stealing Vision's body. What else is he lying about? I had hoped that we would see the cold, robotic white Vision at some point. So I can't wait to see how that plays out next week. And Matt, we haven't talked about it, but people are talking about, uh, is Bettany going to voice it or is someone else going to voice it? Somebody he has acted with before. Ooh, who could that be? James Spader. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so too, I saw something in passing. So if this is spoilery, uh, let me say up front, I don't know it to be a spoiler. In fact, if anything, I'm I'm labeling it as lousy intel. But if it is super spoilery, spoilery, skip ahead, you know, thirty seconds or something. Somebody claimed that. Uh, Josh Brolin had a credit for WandaVision. Now, my immediate thought is, especially after seeing the previously on in this episode, which, side note, they showed movie footage, but this time didn't show the watch Disney Plus for other things um, card, but I digress. You know, Josh Brolin kind of sort of appears in WandaVision 108 in that there he is 
his fingers <laughs> yeah his fingers or his you know his, the computer version i would have to go back and look you know is there some sort of you know like uh, you know whatever kind of josh brolin voice there that somehow is josh brolin is in wandavision you know or do we you know do, does thanos appear i don't think thanos appears next week but i i guess similarly i don't know if the, i'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna look at this point i'm not gonna look and spoil myself but you know if there's an imdb or something where you know james spader is in 109 it could just be as simple as you know previously on wandavision i am ultron in age of ultron cut to other footage and that could be it although i don't hate the idea of white vision being played uh being voiced by spader Steve continues here. We still don't know what Agatha really wants. Does she want to steal Wanda's power or kill her? Are the boys real? Can they exist outside the hex? And how uh, on earth is there a Chrysler PT cruiser in the sword parking lot? Do you really expect me to believe that one of those wrecks is still operational? in 2023 come on guys seriously though i cannot say enough about the job elizabeth olsen has done in this show she has played six different iterations of her character in eight episodes and her performance in this episode was heart-wrenching i am very unhappy that we only get one more episode this show is not good it is not great it is momentous. I believe that we are watching a truly special show here, something that we have not seen on television in a couple decades, at least. Wanda may be the most tragic character in the MCU, and this exploration of grief and loss and how people cope with it has been surprisingly fun, thoughtful, and respectful all at the same time. This show is, in my opinion, a landmark achievement in television. Until next week's finale, stay fantastic. Now, he mentioned the PT Cruiser, Matt, and I had to respond. I said Matt owned a, a Chrysler PT Cruiser. I'm not saying it's his, but here we are. And Steve responded, I used to work in an auto service shop. And we saw so many of those come through our shop. We called them PT Losers. Honestly, my uncle owned two and loved them both. They definitely had their fans. Pete, two, two things I must respond to. First of all, Steve's words here just took me on my own previously on and my own reflection to the real truth that though I did... Love the car. I have to note. I have to note. First of all, I bought it on the day in 2008. Uh, I think it was October, but whatever the day was, the stock market went down 777 points. It was bought that day, so it was like, had I gone a day or two later, probably my credit situation relative to the credit in the country at the time, the banking situation, etc., I probably would not have gotten it approved. I kind of had conveniently forgot that Wanda style, and also just the. The problem with the engine was that it would keep overheating. And I remember like one of the last times I drove it, it was like my daughter's in the back and it's getting hotter and hotter and I'm trying to race home. because I, So I just had my own Wanda Vision episode eight moment here where I realized the terrible truth that, that Steve is right about the, the PT Cruiser. Um, 
But to add to that, I just wanted to comment. I'm so glad that we get to rewatch this show for purposes of, you know, getting the podcast uh, as accurate as we can. Uh, for these eight episodes, um, you know, the twists and turns in terms of when will John Krasinski show up with white on the sides of his head to say, I am Mr. Fantastic and things like that. That's those are fun. That's also ultimately filler. And is that sometimes the meat and potatoes of a comic book TV show or movie having that fun? Absolutely. Uh, I think that we're going to get a lot less soul searching what it's like when the most important person in your life dies. I think we're going to get a whole lot less of that in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, Although, side note, Zemo, same thing, just not a hero, he's a villain, but same kind of loss, but I digress. The core of this show is Wanda and Vision, and the first time I watched this episode, it's got all the twists and turns and the answers and magic and witches and, you know, robot Vision returns, Hayward villainy, you know. Then the second time, okay, kind of a little bit more snaps into place, and the third time, you watch this episode a third time, there is a a weight to it when you're not as concerned about, you know, uh, what's Hayward actually, when you're, when you're concerned about the razzle dazzle of the comic book twist and turn, and it's just the, the, you know, the acting that Bettany and Olsen are doing and the, the profound loss that she is emoting through the entire episode. You know, this is a weighty thing that is wrapped up in the razzle dazzle of when are we going to get photons really cool costume like that you know it's all legit stuff to get excited about but we get to have we get to have our fun we get to have our mysteries we get sorrow too because unlike a lot of these other comic book properties or entertainment properties in general they're bringing heart to it not just what can we do to excite you this week fred petrie writes in wandavision episode eight completely crazy and almost surrealistic episode with undoubtedly a lot of mcu references i will have missed got a big spoiler about how vision died but that's just the risk of making an exemption to my watching the mcu series and movies in its chronological order so far it was okay but since this episode had a lot of flashback material new and from the known mcu That was a risk to take. Furthermore, I was amazed by discovering that of the three currently running series I watch, WandaVision, Snowpiercer, and Batwoman, two lead actors are married. I found out that Paul Bettany and Jennifer Connelly, Snowpiercer's lead, uh, Melanie, are married since 2003 and have two children together. Greets Fred from the NL, that's the netherlands matt he has a ps however paul and jennifer's daughter do you know the name of paul bettany and jennifer connelly's daughter matt uh i don't and i was on bettany's wikipedia before what's the name agnes wow uh and of course jennifer connelly voices karen the spider suit ai and bettany had voiced jarvis the iron man suit ai so Get a lot of work sitting in front of microphones saying, but wait, we're at 15,000 feet now. And things like that. 
to the email inbox we go and starting here with 084 who has some WandaVision thoughts. I keep thinking about how we got the amazing Photon slash Spectrum origin in Episode 7, but most of the chatter was about the fact that, ostensibly, a big comic book name wasn't involved in it. Or how a lot of the theorizing has phrases like, it has to be, it better be, if it's not X, I'm gonna... I ever wonder if the real big bad of WandaVision, the people Agnes might be pulling all these strings for the benefit of, even though in the end it probably won't uh, won't even be good enough, is, so is, who's Agnes pulling the strings of? 084 says, is it us, the audience? <laughs> Certainly the show has set high expectations, you know, and, and having been made in a vacuum, you know, a lot of the Reed Richards stuff that we've come down on, um, you know, I think it's unlikely in the finale that we're going to get Doctor Strange and Mordo uh, and the ghost of Tony Stark and the force ghost of Yoda and Reed Richards and the entire Fantastic Four and the Silver Star. You know, at a certain point, the expectations have to come down a tad. Um, but it is true at the end of the day. You know, we, we the audience, can't, can't be also the snake that eat our own tail when they don't give us what we want. Uh, let's hear from Peter Flynn, uh, who says as follows. Hello from a fellow New Jerseyan in Sussex County. I found your podcast after watching the first five episodes in one sitting. You do a great job pointing out all the little things I miss. I think that the resolution of episode nine is going to be that Wanda learns to accept her grief about Vision and Pietro with the help of Monica. She says goodbye to Westview Vision but then his consciousness that Wanda created goes into white vision and she gets to be with him again. It just seems to me that it's too much of a coincidence that Westview Vision cannot exist outside the Hex, but now there's a more permanent version close by. The Hex has to be gone by the end of the episode, right? There's been mention of a sad aspect to the ending, which I think will be that her children will disappear when the Hex goes away. Wanda gets her husband back. Disney gets to keep using Paul Bettany, who has been fantastic in this series. There is one problem with this idea. To me, it makes sense on almost every level, except that it seems it would be a lot easier to go from this series to Wanda being in Doctor Strange 2 if she doesn't get Vision back for real. One other thought. It seemed to me that Agatha's purple magic was shown uh, at the beginning to be a mix of her coven's blue magic and the red chaos magic that was emanating from her when she was hit with the blue magic beams. It seemed that she was punished for messing with the chaos magic, which is why she is drawn to Wanda's hex all those years later. She wanted to find out how to grow her own powers. The book from episode 7 was radiating either red or orange magic, so I'm thinking that maybe her end goal is to use Wanda's magic to do something with the book, and maybe that leads to Doctor Strange 2. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to listening to the episode. So Pete, your thoughts there on the different colored magic. I mean, it, it's a visual representation. The blue, the red, the, the yellow gold. Uh, you want to bring Doctor Strange in and, you know, the, the time stone with the green. Although it remains to be seen whether that's going to be in his possession since all the stones went back. Although it should have gone back to him. So we'll have to see all that. But yeah, uh, Peter Flynn, thanks for, for writing in and uh, mentioning all those. Pete, what do we have in the world of reviews from Apple Podcasts? Disney Girl underscore 24 writes in, 
uh, headlined Love, five stars, and she says, thank you for making this. I have a low immune system, so I can't go out much or hang out with friends due to COVID. Uh, frowny face emoji. This is a great way for me to geek out about this show when I am alone, and all I want to do is talk WandaVision. Uh, starry-eyed emoji. Great show. Oh well, we... Pete, we, we love hearing from listeners, and there's always that extra... The extra bit of feeling when it's you know when when we're there for when we're there for somebody uh you know not just you know talking geeky stuff but you know making you feel feel part of the community feel connected where maybe circumstances are such that that uh that that this is the easiest way to be connected right now and so forth so that means a lot ed tyler 2016 writes in digging deep into wv five stars and his review reads this podcast takes my enjoyment of the show to another level. The host helped me see and hear so many things I missed. Rewatching after the podcast is a whole other experience. Thanks, Matt and Pete, for your insightful commentary. You make it fun, but you stay on point. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that as we record what is undoubtedly our longest podcast ever, that it's been focused, that it has been on point, um, e- even as we uh, even as we we clock ever longer podcasts here. Pete, I don't know what next week will bring uh, in terms of, you know, answers or theories that can be built or theories that are now stopped. Um, but this is this is definitely, in terms of length of podcasts, is the highlight of the season and the highlight of quite a bit. Hamilfan2020 writes in, amazing five stars. And it reads, this podcast helps me study. Hey, you know what? Hamilton, Disney, uh, the the the, the monomyth, Marvel—it's all connected somehow. And then, just when I think I've read my favorite review ever, we get this one, Matt, by Anna Dolan, uh, whose subject line reads: "Do not listen to this at work." Dot dot dot. Five star review, which continues, not because the show is NS. FW not safe for work, but because you won't get any work done. Crying emoji. I get so caught up in their theories and conversation that I almost stop doing my job to theorize with them and try to connect the dots. I love how they're highly knowledgeable of the Marvel comics and movies, as well as other pop culture things. So they're able to draw a lot of connections from different places, and it allows them to be able to back up theories with real context. It's so much fun to listen to these two. I'm about to start watching WandaVision after uh, I catch up. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> um, Pete, that's the best don't listen at work uh, uh, reason that we could possibly get, seeing as how we keep things clean. Pete, we are in the twilight of WandaVision Season 1, maybe WandaVision the entire series, with, you know, as we record this, five or less days until the finale, depending on when you listen and your day and time zone and all of that. So, Pete, how can people be in touch with you to share final thoughts, final predictions ahead of Episode 9? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 11,828 followers can't be wrong. 
And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, as mentioned, we are so excited about this uh, episode nine season finale, series finale. Uh, and, of course, we will be back next Sunday to podcast that. You can, of course, be keeping an eye on our social media all week as we just, you know, we and all of us get so ready for this finale. For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Please, I can be good.